pullover. Lean in. It's time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder (laughs) is your time. It's your time. Your time to slow down and and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. You're already here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. I know I do. (laughs) Welcome back, sweet listener. It's a brand new year. It's a brand new decade. I hope that however you marked or did not mark the passing of this uh, piece of time between 2019 and 2020, uh, that you did what you wanted and that you did what felt right for you. Today's episode is a self-love pep talk about privacy, about privacy as a self-love practice. So if you're feeling like This is something that you really want more of or you want some permission on. This is the episode for you. So come on in. I want to take you back to a time where um, maybe some of you will relate to this. It's It's a very specific moment in time. I had a tiny key to a tiny lock. It looked gold, but it probably wasn't. (laughs) And I could put the little key in the little lock and turn it. And I was cracking open my very first diary. I remember this. I was, mm, it was, I was a kid. I wasn't, maybe I was 10, maybe I was younger than 10, but it was the first time where I had the sense of like real privacy. I have the key to this book. I could write anything in here. And what would I even say? What was my voice when no one else was listening? That was what that key represented. I could hide things in my room, but of course my parents could come into my room and find anything. When you're a a child, you don't really have that sense of privacy. And this key was that. It's like, what do I put in here? What's supposed to be private? It was very exciting. And then a few years down the line, I obviously really got a kick out of these little mini keys and private spaces. And I asked for a very special gift, the private call. (laughs) I know there's maybe a sprinkling of you (laughs) who were young folks in the 80s who remember this phone that had a key like a diary. So the whole thing was closed up. You could answer the phone. Um, But if you wanted to get in and make a call, You had to put this little key in and unlock it. And it had special little phone booth, a place for photographs. Like it was the secret phone. And, you know, as a young tween or whatever, I mean, how thrilling was this? The feeling of privacy being a special treat, a safe place for secret crushes and dreams and ideas and unresolved feelings and even things that were, you know, not particularly important, but just the fact that I could choose and put them in there, you know, a place where I got to make things pretty and I got to make it all about me. And I realized when I was reflecting on this episode and on my key diary and the private call phone, that this element that I loved so much then is here 
in Radical Creative Sanctuary. This is a special place, a safe place where you can make things pretty, make them about you, explore something in that space of privacy. This is where, you know, when you want the truth to come out, you have to create a protected place for it. And that's what I continue to create today. But what about you as a grown up? You know, did you even have, I know I was very fortunate to have parents that did respect my privacy, as far as I know, <laughs> but I do have, uh, have known many people where that was not the case and where you would, you know, try to have some privacy and that privacy was violated because you were a child. And if that was you, I'm really sorry that you had that experience. So how about as an adult, what's your relationship to privacy now? Does it just look like secret keeping? And here's a big question that a lot of my clients and peers, uh, I feel like there's a real uh, interesting way where this rubs up against the value of being authentic, right? Honesty, transparency, open communication. These are good things, right? Especially if you value authenticity. To be authentic, you need to share who you are, right? And, you know, we see this, I'm going to talk a little bit today about online behavior, but it's not just about that. It's just a really uh, easy example. So, you know, online, we all love those vulnerable shares, don't we? The ones with hashtag authenticity, the no makeup selfies, pictures of unfolded laundry, those Pinterest fails. You know, we love to see people being quote unquote real online. And I know where this comes from, right? Because, you know, we're bombarded by images, images with this idea of perfection. We're bombarded with images. We used, it used to be just in print and now it's just all over the place that can kind of serve as this uh, new standard we need to reach, right? I want to remind you that what we are flooded with is curated, all of it is curated. All of these things are decided in advance. We're not just getting a window of the world. We can forget this easily. It is curated. And the quote unquote authentic selfies and laundry and fails are also curated. This is just something I find interesting <laughs> that we decide what kinds of authenticity count. Who's criteria are we using? You know, like who are we to decide if others are in fact authentic or not based on an image or what they choose to share? I'm not saying that you won't get a vibe from someone like that you won't. I'm not saying our intuition around whether or not something feels genuine or not isn't valid. I think you should listen to your intuition on that. But all that really tells us is how we feel about something. It doesn't say anything about the other person. We don't get to make that call. You know, what if you, <laughs> you were just being you and some rando said that you were being inauthentic? How do they know? For example, perfect example, Dolly Parton. Is Dolly Parton authentic? This is one of the words I have heard people use to describe her, how genuine, how real, she's the real deal, she's so authentic. But if authenticity is defined by different standards, say a lack of makeup or 
a lack of physical alterations, one could easily argue that she is not at all authentic. But ultimately, that's up to Dolly. This Dolly reference is a little shout out to all the Dolly fans and especially our very own Alison Tarr of Tech Coven. So I saw Dolly perform when I was a kid. I saw her perform at, uh, what was that? It was at that outdoor theater at Canada's Wonderland. God, what was it called? I don't remember. Anyway, I was thrilled back then when I was a kid. It was a huge dream come true to see her. And I was extra thrilled to be Allison's date for her first time seeing Dolly perform live in Toronto a few years ago. It was emotional. It was fantastic. Allison's tarot readings aren't afraid of the dark. One of the decks that she uses is called the Dark Days Tarot. It's really wonderful, beautiful square cards with gorgeous illustrations. But you should know that when you get a reading from Allison, there's always a little bit of rhinestone in spirit. You know, you can't take the coat of many colors away from the Dolly fan. (laughs) And I love how Allison finds love and hope and permission in even the most scrappiest of dark day readings. So treat yourself to a reading by Allison. You can do that by heading over to techcoven.com. This episode and every episode of The Soft Shoulder is happily brought to you by techcoven.com. So pressure to be quote unquote real and quote unquote authentic online. I mean, we have this platform for oversharing all of a sudden. (laughs) <laughs> we didn't used to have this available to us. If you post photos of your of you being happy on a holiday, but not of you fighting at the airport on the way there, are you not being authentic? Are you participating in this FOMO culture, fear of missing out? Or are you simply respecting your own privacy? You know, these are genuine questions. I don't think there is a right way. I like to question things, and I think it's important to question things. Our perceptions, our unspoken rules, the gaps that we might not be capable of seeing on every given subject, right? We only have our perspective. So the next example is a little gross. I've tidied it up a little bit, but I am willing to be gross to make a point. (laughs) What is one of the most popular things people will post online? photos of our food we have as a society we have agreed upon this is this is a thing that we do so we post beautiful photos of our food we've posted it before we put it into our bodies totally acceptable popular people love this people have full accounts dedicated to this we do not post photos of our food while we were chewing it <laughs> and we don't post photos of our food when we are done with it we collectively just don't really do this. We've decided that's not happening. So does this mean that we're pretending that food doesn't get chewed up in our mouths, that that food never leaves our bodies? No. Do we need to post those photos to prove that we're real people with real shit to deal with every day? No. Is someone out there looking at photos of someone else's pasta and thinking, God, you know, there must be something wrong with me because Every time I eat pasta, I digest it fully and I eliminate waste, but I don't see anyone else doing it. So there must be something wrong with me. No, but we do this about so many other things. I do it too. 
We forget that for every holiday vacation full of smiles and joy, that there are sunburns and there are fights. And sometimes there's debt and all kinds of stuff that we're not seeing. We forget that every delicious feast, there's a less photogenic exit of that feast. For every victory, there are losses, sometimes many, many more losses before we get to the victory, before we get to an overnight success. There's years, years of building towards it. For every rise, there are likely many falls. Just remember this. When you start to feel like other people's lives look perfect, they are just people choosing to post what they choose to post. So if you want to post photos of you and your sweetheart on a holiday, but you don't want to post the fights you had, that's fine. And it's up to you what you share. This is the core of what I'm talking about today. It's up to you what you share. And this isn't just about social media or online behavior. You are no less authentic when you choose to respect your privacy. And you are no less real when you go undocumented. Privacy, our relationship with privacy as grown-ups has, um, it's had a lot to deal with as social media has arrived and evolved. You know, we have to, we're, we're faced with actively making more decisions on the go about what we're going to share, what we're going to protect so much more than we used to. Simply before, we just didn't, you know, the limits of technology took care of a lot of that for us. Like, I didn't have to question who was going to see my family photographs of our trip to, you know, wherever, because only people who came to the house and flipped through the album would see it. There was just no other option. It just wasn't a decision that we had to make. There was a time where, um, when I was in university and I spent a year in Italy, and I wanted to go to Verona. I just went kind of on a whim. <laughs> I had one of those like uh, train passes and I had some time and I thought, I'm just going to do this today. And at the time, I didn't, wasn't making phone calls. We did not have a cell phone. I was only making calls like weekly from a pay phone. I was also only emailing. That was my first time even getting an email account. And you know, I had to pay to email anyone. I did that like once every week or two, but um, there really was no one to tell that I was going to go to Verona. And so, you know, there I go. I went, I, you know, I, I did this a few times where I got on the wrong train or like there was a strike or there was something happened and I just dealt with it. And there was a moment when I was there, I was sitting on a bench and I was like, I just had the thought that no one in the world knew where I was. Not a single soul, because I had a little detour. So even if I had told someone, you know, one of my fellow students or something, like they wouldn't really know. And it was such a strange and wonderful feeling. It was like, I, you know, I felt I was safe where I was. I had like means to like make sure I could get home okay. But nobody knew where I was and I could just go anywhere and there would be no one. And because of the technology limits, there was no expectation. No one was worried. Like, I haven't seen Danette on Instagram for three days. We need to hunt her down. Like, that was just never going to happen. So it was just such a, a wonderful experience. I think it must be so rare <laughs> nowadays. So there's the social media part. But really, this is a bigger question. 
that even if you're not doing a lot of that online, who has access to your stories, to your feelings? Yes, to your photos, to your information. Now, there's a whole other separate topic. I am not an expert. This is out of my scope of expertise in terms of online privacy and data mining. That's something I encourage you to pursue with someone who actually knows a lot more about that topic. I'm speaking about the the day-to-day in your relationships, in your life. Do you think much about privacy? Do you actively choose who has access and to how much when you're not online? You know that saying, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Um, I have a saying that's just because you could doesn't mean you have to. (laughs) You get to choose. In general, and especially, this is where the real like self-love gets ramped up, especially in times of growth or transition, of healing or pursuing a dream. Because not everybody will be along for that ride. Another saying, I don't know where uh, it originates, but if you can't handle me at my worst, you can't have me at my best, right? This is like talking about unconditional love. And it's like, if you want all the good times, you got to be with me through the bad. This assumes, this is that, that idea of a fair weather friend. And it assumes that people only want to be with you when everything's great when you're at your best. But what about when people can't handle you at your best, (laughs) right? We hear the fair weather friends stories, but you might have friends who really dig a storm. They really dig being an umbrella. They want to commiserate over how life sucks and how there aren't any good fill in the blanks out there. They want to talk scarcity. They want to drink and they cry and whatever. But what about when you choose something more, when you choose joy, when you choose to stop complaining? What about when you choose sobriety, responsibility, when you choose to start getting really good sleep at night so you're not up on the phone or out partying or doing whatever it was that you used to do? What if you leave your crappy job? What if you free yourself from a life-dimming marriage, and you're just really happy all of a sudden. What if that doesn't make sense to your stormy weather friends? You know, um, Brene Brown, I may have mentioned this, says that actually the most vulnerable emotion isn't shame, it's joy. When I heard her say this, I knew it was true because in coach training, there was one particular module where it was all about feeling the feelings, experience, having the experience wherever you are on the emotional scale. And so it was really a practice about like holding space with someone while they really experience what's going on because you can set all these goals and do all these things and make all these plans. But if you're not willing to feel anything, <laughs> It doesn't matter what the goal is. You're going to get there and you're going to be planning the next thing. So it's like really about being present in your body and in your feelings. And this, of course, was like a big deal for like new people who had never done this before, this training. And, um, 
you know, I think people were afraid of like, oh, but I don't want them to be upset. I want to keep them up. I want this to be comfortable. What was remarkable after practicing with many, many people over the course of many days is how it actually wasn't what we were expecting. It was much harder to keep people up. It was much harder for people to keep ourselves up. We'd start floating up and being feeling good and getting excited. And then it's like, okay, I don't want to get too excited. I mean, how many times have you heard someone say that? Or have you said that? I don't want to get too excited. Why? (laughs) I don't want to get too happy about this. I don't want to get too pumped up about this vacation or this new job or this new life or just... I don't know, the thrill of being a miracle walking around in the universe. Like, I don't want to enjoy this too much. (laughs) It takes courage to choose joy, to choose you, to allow yourself freedom to express that and to enjoy that, like really feel it in your body. And not everyone is going to understand what you're going through, good or bad, fair weather or stormy weather, friends, right? And that's okay. Privacy means you get to choose who knows what about you. And privacy is self-care because you're protecting the space of your own life. You're protecting your experience. This is your experience. Privacy is different from keeping secrets that involve the other person, right? So if you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's a love, you know, partnership, marriage, or a friendship, and you no longer want to be in that relationship, but you're, you know, there's like, there's an area of time where it's private, where you're kind of like sorting out your feelings, but eventually, you know, if you haven't shared it with them, then you're making decisions for the both of you, right? If you're in a relationship that you don't really want to be in and you don't tell that person and you don't end the relationship, then they're making the choice to be with you, but they don't really know the truth. So that's not the same thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about privacy over your stories, your own health, your sex life, your body, your dreams, your confusion, your relationships, your money. Let's talk about your dreams. This is a big one. You may have heard that it's like really smart to keep yourself accountable when you have a goal. So make an announcement go online and say, I'm going to do a 30 day challenge and like, you know, (laughs) announce to everybody what it is that you're doing. Um, I understand the power of that, of course, as a coach, I get it. It's like putting it out in the world, making it real, that feeling like, oh, I told everybody I was going to publish my book this year. So like, I'm going to do it. That motivates a certain group of the population. But you can also choose to not tell anybody in service of your goal, okay? So especially if you're dreaming big, a lot of people, you might be dreaming so big that the people around you just can't really deal with it, right? It might be triggering fear and doubt and all kinds of things in them. Like to bring it back to Dolly. So imagine Dolly Parton, little kid, putting like charcoal on her eyes for like eyeliner and like rubbing berries on her lips as this poor kid in a big family out in the mountains talking about how she would one day have her own theme park and be world famous icon and legend and songwriter and singer and businesswoman. Like if the people around her were all poor and had never seen anyone they knew have any kind of success outside of their tiny town, What kind of encouragement do you imagine she received back then? 
know, if you want to write a book, but the people around you either think like that's a waste of time or it's too hard and not worth trying, maybe they did try and it didn't work out for them or they gave up halfway through, they might want to warn you and they're not even trying to chop you down. They're trying to help. They want to spare you the disappointment. They want to spare you the unfulfilled dream, protect you, spare you the possibility for it to come true. They don't even mean to, but that's what they're doing. What if Dolly listened to the naysayers? Like, I can't. I can't even. (laughs) I can't even imagine if Dolly was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's just never going to happen. Oh, well, and just gave up. Like, not only would we not have her, we would not have any of the artists who were inspired by and influenced by her. And never mind that, we wouldn't have people who maybe got through like a dark night of the soul listening to her music. We wouldn't have the women who saw her rocking this high feminine expression and taking charge of her body of work with intelligence and drive and yes, quite a few cups of ambition. There's no telling what we would not have if we didn't have this one particular person, Dolly Parton, and she's just one. Sometimes you have to protect the privacy of your greatest dreams. It doesn't mean ignore it. Keep it close, protect it. Yes, take action on it. Yes, nourish it. I often talk to clients about uh, whether it's a creative project or an emotional project, that you have to think if you're starting something new, it's like a little sapling. It's like a tender little tree that's just really a twig and the roots are just starting to like find their way. You often see this with little trees. They'll put a little fence around it, right? They'll put a little protective barrier around it because there's a time period where it needs that protection to grow into its own strength. So the wind doesn't knock it over so it can learn to bend and not break. It's temporary. The fence is temporary. That's, this is like, you know, you don't have to make it an all or nothing decision. It's not like you're going to hide, like grow a tree in like a cave somewhere and never share it with anybody. It's giving it the best chance so that it can become what it wants to become. And this is something that you get to decide. This is not a debate when it's something that belongs to you, like a dream. So, you know, if people, you have people around you who are always like letting the air out of your balloon, don't debate with them. Just keep your balloon private. (laughs) Take the balloon away so that they can't take air out of that balloon. People want to rain on your parade. Don't argue with them. Take a different route for the parade. You don't need to convince them. You just need to decide what kind of experience you want to have with this particular person. You don't owe anyone the opportunity to poke around in your imagination, your heart, your dreams, your goals. The devil has plenty of advocates. Anyone who's starting a sentence like that, you don't need to listen to them. (laughs) Especially, particularly while your dreams are still developing. And that goes with healing as well. I see healing as a very creative process. You might be going through some emotional things and, you know, and shame might be a part of that. So part of the healing might be, you know, 
might be sharing the story. You get to be selective about who you do that with. You get to share from the scar, not from the wound. You're allowed privacy while you heal, while you develop, while you figure things out, while you are unsure if you even should be sharing or not. You might get to the, you know, after the wound and into the scar territory, and you may still decide never to share certain stories. Why? Because you get to choose. How is this self-love? When you respect your own privacy, you are building trust with yourself. Brene Brown has a really great acronym for the word braving. She broke down trust into many facets. So it's not just an all or nothing. I trust or don't trust. She took the word braving and with each letter, there's a different aspect, boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. I, uh, I encourage you to, if you're not familiar with that, to, to look up Brene Brown and the acronym of braving. I'm going to talk about the V. <laughs> the V in braving is for vault. You are allowed to have your own vault. You are not at the mercy of other people's curiosity. You get to have a space like that private call, like that diary with the key, a space that is all yours. The more you choose this, when it feels right for you to choose this, the more you can be, begin to pause and check in the more it feels okay to do so. Self-trust is a muscle that you are strengthening. When you're using the vault for yourself, you are trusting yourself to protect what is growing. You trust yourself to know when to lean back. You trust yourself to know that you can change your mind later. The vault is not a permanent place. You have the key, right? You belong to you. You have space. You have time. You have the right to privacy. You don't have to do it alone. You might just choose one or a couple people to share things with. You can even let people know about your vault. Be like, I've got some things here I'm keeping private for now. If you share it with people who respect this, respect you, that's a deserving place to share it. Another place where you can be respecting your vault and your privacy and sharing it in a safe place is by telling your coach. If I was your coach, you could tell me. And that is a way where, you know, you can still be respecting your privacy while giving yourself a a place, place. space a space to process and decide and build trust and create what you want for you you know I am so proud of my clients so proud and they often keep the fact that they are working with me private they might not be ready to tell their friends or their family that they have invested in something this big for themselves they might not want to answer questions about what they're coming to coaching for just yet with people who might not understand. But they know that hiring a coach is nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's wonderful. Many clients do happily share with others and take pride in these choices. 
and in their commitment, something to be celebrated. But the point is that they're listening to themselves, deciding what feels good and right for them to share and with whom. Do you have something that you want off your chest? Do you have a dream for who you could be and want a safe place to give it a strong foundation? Protected by the winds of the naysayers, built that little fence around your sapling for the future, you can book a call with me. I am here for it. I love this space so much. It's at RadicalCreativeSanctuary.com. You can book a call with me right there on the homepage. I can't wait to hear about what you are growing roots for and see how I can help. Your dreams are worth protecting and worth nourishing. And you get to do it your way. You are someone worth loving. It all starts with you. You get to choose who you share your stories with. (laughs) As I'm saying that, I have that, you know, that scene in Pretty Woman where she's like, I say when, I say who. (laughs) You get to choose. You're in charge here. Enjoy. Enjoy being at choice. Enjoy your privacy. If you had a private call, please let me know. (laughs) And uh, enjoy this beginning to the new year. I want you to also um, take any pressure off yourself. This whole like new year thing. I know you're excited. Pace yourself. You've got all year. You've got, you know, you can take all of January to reflect and make plans and think about things. So if you're like, oh God, we're day two. Don't worry about it. You get to decide. As always, thank you so much for listening, for your time, for your energy, and I wish you a really wonderful decade of self-love ahead. We'll talk to you soon.